Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah. Conversation was in. It's WBZ, you're Jay talking. We're live, midnight to five. We have Willard Stern Randall back, an excellent historian, one of my favorites, who's written biographies on, well, Benjamin and William Franklin, Benedict Arnold, Jefferson, Washington, Hamilton, even Ethan Allen, and I hope we get to Ethan Allen someday. But today we're going to learn how the Revolutionary War didn't really end till the end of the War of 1812. Thanks for being with us, sir. My pleasure. Good to have you back. So the, Thank the, you. The revolution really lasted for about 50 years, the revolutionary period from 1763 to the end of eight, the War of 1812, right? That's right. Could this have been no, dealt Is there something that could have been done differently in the Paris Treaty? Was, was this due to some sort of mistake or— I don't think so. I think uh, everybody wanted it to be over by the time they signed the treaty. It, 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 it had been a, a, a very long, you know, seven years of fighting, really. But you got 50 years of politics around it, the causes of it, and then the treaty itself had a couple of had a couple of holes in it. Uh, the Americans had run up a lot of debt. Uh, to the English before the revolution because they, they didn't have their own money. They didn't have their own banks. They were totally in debt to the English. And when the war was over, the English said, okay, you got to pay those debts, but you got to pay them in gold or silver coins. We won't take your American money. Your American money is worthless. So the British, because we couldn't afford to pay the debts, they wouldn't take their troops out of their forts. So the troops just hung around around the Great Lakes on the Canadian border, etc., in an undeclared war that finally turned into a shooting war in the War of 1812. So we couldn't have said, go pound sand, we won the war, we're not paying you? Well, we could have, but I don't think it would have worked because the Americans were broke from the war. We lost about, well, 25,000 men killed, but to put that proportion into our population... That's about 300,000 men would have been killed if it were the war were today, um, and, and the country was divided. It was there were there were Americans fighting Americans. It was like the first civil war. Uh, some people wanted to be English, and a lot of people didn't want to be English. So uh, it, it had gone on too long. Uh, uh, we had won 
uh, military victory because the French came in. But the French did most of the fighting at the very end. And we didn't want the French around either. We just wanted our country. We just wanted our independence. The thing about the Paris Treaty, the best thing about it is it declared the United States an independent country. And, and there were flaws. Uh, the whole thing about money, the British troops not leaving, uh, the loyalists, the people who had been on the British side, losing all their property. Uh, so there was a lot of bad blood. But the, the worst, the worst defect in it, it, it didn't, it didn't say we could have economic independence. We could have political independence. But the British kept the fighting going in a different way. They, they kept our, our ships out of the Caribbean. They kept our, our, our ships out of Canada our main trading partners, uh, they, they tried to starve us economically. And, and, and then, they, then they started seizing our ships. Then they started seizing our sailors. It just got worse and worse and worse uh, for about 15 years before Americans were ready to fight again. Did they do this, did they deny us by, by treaty or by deed? Did they just go and do it? They just went and did it. Uh, we we had no navy. We we had we we'd won battles on land in the Revolutionary War, but we didn't have a navy. Uh, when the War of 1812 began, we had a total of 20 ships. Only six of those were big enough to count. They were, you know, like old Ironsides in in Boston Harbor, the Constitution. That was the biggest ship we had. They had 900 men of war. Wow. You know, they they just they treated us like like bugs, like gnats. Wow. You know, uh, folks, if you have a an observation or a question for our guest Willard Stern Randall about this period between the initial revolution and the War of 1812, or about the War of 1812 itself, please feel free, 617-254-1030 is the number. We have John in Peabody, Willard, that would like to chime in. Hey, John. Good morning, Bradley. Um, the, the revenue cut of service from 1790, um, that was the only thing that the United States had to defend its coast, and it eventually morphed into the modern-day Coast Guard. What, would you, what did you call it, the Revenue Cutter Service? Yes, sir. And why is it called that? Because it collected the revenue of stuff coming in. Oh. Anything you want to add yeah, to that? He, 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 he's right. Um, it's, um, I, so, you could call it the Coast Guard. It didn't have a name yet. But uh, the only in income the United States government had was customs duties on stuff that was coming in from from Europe, uh, and we had we had a, a, a half a dozen large warships. But um, when Thomas Jefferson became president, he was opposed to having a navy. He put all the the handful of ships we had in dry dock, stripped them down, took the guns out. They were useless. And then he introduced uh, what this gentleman is saying is right. These little revenue cutters, they were they were they were so small that they could only carry one little gun, and they could be tipped over by a wave. Uh, people but, who didn't like it called it the mosquito navy. It was so harmless. Were so they like, were that they was like, the were they like PT boats, kind of? Um, uh, the equivalent of the time, yeah. Uh, only they PT boat was better built. Okay, John, good one. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Now, uh, sir, for the first new for the first years, the country was teetering on the brink of falling apart uh, for a, a number of reasons. Uh, one was the financial situation you talked about. Anything else? 
Well, we didn't have any army. Uh, our whole army was about 800 men, and we started right away having uh, wars with the Indians on, on the frontier. Ohio was the frontier at the time. So uh, it was dangerous to to move out onto the frontier and settle, which is why so many people have come in the first place to get some land and have a place of their own. Um, we, we didn't have any trade treaties with anyone. Uh, politically, uh, the government was incredibly weak. It's called the Confederation period. It was sort of like Switzerland as far as uh, uh, Switzerland without money. Uh, so it, it, George Washington was so broke, the father of our country, that he was going and uh, taking soldiers that he had rented land to and when they didn't have any money, he was taking them to court and evicting them. I mean, that was pretty. That was pretty extreme. Uh, but the, the, things were really dead. People had gone broke on the war. Um, the, the colleges, the few that there were, didn't have any money. Washington himself went to what is now Princeton to give them a donation to try to help them get set up again because their college had been destroyed in the fighting. Uh, but he had to give them a gold coin with a picture of King George III on it because our our money was worthless. He could only give them a gift and the money that, with a face on it that everybody he hated. Were there any uh, internal divisions that really were serious enough to cause problems? Like the the Whiskey Rebellion was something that occurred, right? But uh, were there any other things the like that? Yeah, the Whiskey Rebellion came along uh, while Washington was president. He had an absolutely brilliant secretary of the Treasury named Alexander Hamilton. Uh, but the thing about Hamilton was uh, he thought that you should tax uh, anything that was manufactured. Um, so farmers made whiskey. Uh, they grew a lot of corn, and they converted it into whiskey, and they sold it to each other. Uh, whiskey was easier to transport uh, than a wagon full of corn and a lot more popular. Uh, so uh, the, the frontiersmen who were making it in Pennsylvania said, we're not going to pay any tax. And Hamilton said, oh, yes, you are, and sort of woke up Washington. It was getting kind of old and said, sir, we got to go out there and make them pay their taxes. So Washington wound up leading an army to Pennsylvania to break this thing up. Uh, so his his popularity wasn't that great either. So even even Washington was was politically uh, uh, having a struggle at this time. It, it would take a new constitution and a new form of government to get things going again. But there's this period right from the Treaty of Paris, 1783 to 1787, when the founding fathers get together in Philadelphia and give it another whirl to come up with a better form of government, uh, where the bottom falls out. And where it, where, where it was worst was in Massachusetts. You had a rebellion, an actual rebellion called Shays Rebellion, where the veterans uh, refused to pay their property taxes to pay off the war debt of Massachusetts. They raised an army. They surrounded the courthouses. They shut them down. And Boston, the Boston merchants hired guys who were out of work and armed them. And you actually had a war going on in the snow in, in western Massachusetts before it was over. That's pretty serious stuff. How about the Alien and Sedition Act? How much of a threat was that? 
Well, what happened is we got caught in the uh, the war in Europe that the, they called the Napoleon Wars, the Napoleonic Wars. We got England and France slugging it out wherever their ships met, they fought wherever they owned land, they fought. So we got caught in the middle of that, and and, and what was going on in France was called the Reign of Terror. There was a bloody revolution there. They were they were cutting off thousands of heads. Uh, of of the old aristocracy, like 40,000 families were were guillotined. Uh, so a lot of the French people fled, and they came to America, and they crowded in. Like Philadelphia, the population almost doubled. So Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore are full of these French-speaking people who are they're war refugees. They don't have any jobs. They don't have any money. And John Adams, who succeeded Washington as president, uh, he didn't like the French much anyway because he'd grown up in Boston when, when the French were the enemy, when the French were attacking towns in Maine and taking hostages. So he had no love loss for the French. And so he came along and said, look, we ha- we, we've got to get these people out of here. We can't have so many French people here. So the Alien and Sedition Acts were uh, to c- cut down the number of refugees, basically, and say, okay, you can come here, but it's going to take you 12 years to get citizenship, in, uh, and we really don't want you. The Sedition Act is because anybody who didn't agree with that, uh, who owned a newspaper, or, uh, would attack Adams's government. So Adams made it a crime to criticize the government. So you got the refugee crisis and a crisis of you know free speech going at the same time, um, and. and Adams was only had one term as president because he was so unpopular about how he handled the Alien and Sedition Act, and he got thrown out. How did they beat back the Sedition Act? Well, the way he did it was um, pretty clever. Um, the Supreme Court was made up of you know a handful of associate judges, uh, justices. They went around in carriages. They went from town to town. And they got the newspaper, and they read the newspaper, and if it was criticizing Adams and his government, they were arrested. So you had 25 publishers thrown into jail because of the Sedition Act. Um, So it it was like a witch hunt on wheels uh, where Chief Justice Chase from Maryland would roll into Richmond and arrest the editor of the newspaper there and put him in jail. Another would roll into uh, Vermont and put the editor of the newspaper in Bennington into jail. Uh, so that's how they enforced it. Wow. Okay. Now we talked about the uh, Britain about Britain denying American sovereignty, and there were multiple attempts to control uh, the trade waters. Besides, right? Besides just harassing them on the seas, were there organized events that? attempted to control American trade waters? Yeah, there were. Um, For example, they blockaded the harbors. Um, They blockaded New York Harbor, um, sent British ships in in a a patrolling back and forth. So any ship coming in, the British would fire a cannon across the bow of that ship as a warning. And you had to heave to, drop anchor, wait until they got around to searching your ship, looking for anything you might be bringing in from France, who was their enemy at the time. Um, so that was very organized. And it, uh, it came to a head 
when a couple of uh, sailors coming up from Delaware with just a cargo of vegetables for the for the market in New York City, uh, the the cannonball didn't go over the bow of the ship, but it beheaded one of the brothers who was had his little boat there, and the other brother would. Uh, managed to sail into New York Harbor, carry his brother up onto the pier, and you had a riot. You had a riot. You had uh, had the governor of, of uh, New York um, ordering the British consul general uh, arrested and thrown out. Jefferson, as president, got into the act and told the British they had to get out of our waters. Uh, but it was mostly the British Navy uh, it, it, carrying out an act of war, blockading yeah. is an act of war. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, first of all, that which you described, folks, is right on the that's how it starts out. The, right on the or page one of the, this excellent book, Unshackling America is the book. Being, I guess, unshackling us from the British. Willard Stern Randall is our guest and the author. So this is really a, just a continuation of of the Revolutionary War by sea only. That's right. That's right. Because and, and we 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 were a, a shipping nation. We were a nation of sailors mostly, especially New England. They they built thousands of ships, and we expected to be able to go anywhere because the oceans were supposed to be everybody's. You know, uh, a ship went out of Salem, Massachusetts, and uh, went all the way around South America and opened up a China trade. We had ships in 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 Indian Ocean. We had whaling ships all over the North Atlantic, uh, and it, it was how about eighty percent of the money in. Uh, in the United States was 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 earned, uh, and and here you've got this British giant with its navy uh, trying to sort of smother us in the crib. Yeah, we were pretty vulnerable. We have Craig in Ohio. Craig, say hello to Willard Stern Randall, who's the author of Unshackling America: How the War of 1812 Truly Ended the American Revolution. Hi, Craig. How you doing? I. Uh... I'm from Guernsey County, Ohio, and uh, you know the famous painting where they're rowing Admiral Perry across after his ship got blown out from underneath him? Right. Are you familiar? Yes, I do. Well, the, the gentleman with the big pork chops was a guy they called Fighting Willie Reed, who was a blacksmith here in Cambridge, Ohio. And, you know, and... Uh, that's one of our claim to fame, along with John Glenn, Hopalong Cassidy. But uh, he, uh, I was, you know, according to the local historian, Russell Booth, attorney Russell Booth, he uh, he said they, they had given him land. They never paid him, but they gave him land over. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Excuse me. <laughs> Dresden, Ohio. Is, 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 is that basically what they paid the soldiers? Was it land? The land was much more valuable than the money. Uh, the money was printed on paper, and it was oh. called con continentals, and the saying was not worth a continental. But the soldiers uh, soldiers and sailors 
for serving whatever hitch they were in for could get 100 acres of good federal land, mostly uh, from the um, Appalachian Mountains to the Mississippi was owned by the federal government, and you could pick out a piece of land. So a lot of Ohio was settled that way. Thanks, Craig. Uh, I appreciate it. Take care. Great. Okay. Here's a quick question that just popped into my brain. Did people living in the colonies at the time still have English accents primarily? It's it's something you don't think about, but they probably yeah, did, yeah, right? they did. That, that, that's an excellent question, actually. There's a, there's a, um, there's a whole school of, of historians who studied this, and, and they had... They had not just the, you know, not just uh, like a BBC accent today or uh, a Shakespeare accent. They had regional accents from from what part of of England they came. So if they were coming from Wales or the West Country, they had one accent. If they were coming from uh, the Channel ports, so you you can find the, the you could have found different accents uh, to where these people landed. Now, now we know that some of them were speaking just like Shakespeare, uh, because uh, the the loyalists who lost the revolution uh, and their slaves left a big convoy of ships out of Charleston, South Carolina, and went to the Bahamas. And you can go to those islands in the Bahamas where their ancestors landed and hear the same accent as the 1600s in England. So. I think it's interesting to consider when we lost ours, if, you know, if folks in America had an, an English accent in, say, 1812, uh, did, did they lose it by the time the, the Civil War came around? It, you know, some 50-something years later, did, they, did we lose the accent that quickly? Or were there still people with English accents in the Civil War? Uh, that's a question I don't. I can't answer. Right, I don't good, know. I can tell you. I can tell you this much: there was already a southern accent. Wow, that where that serious. was coming from? Who knows? Because it was, it was so hot, and they spoke slowly. I guess. Willard Stern Randall, the book "Unshackling America: How the War of 1812 Truly Ended the American Revolution." Something to get out of the way. Just to want to find out what the doctrine of neutral rights was. The doctrine was international law uh, that uh, countries uh, who were not engaged in a war uh, had freedom of the seas and could trade with anybody. Uh, and it, it was used by Denmark, uh, the Netherlands, the Russians, and we tried to use it uh, during that Napoleonic War, and it, it didn't work. Uh, the British uh, didn't honor it. Uh, so uh, we were not in the fighting. Uh, so, so we wound up having our ships taken by both the French and the English. It, it's what dragged us into the, the War of 1812 eventually. Uh, both sides were beating us up and saying, you're not really neutral. Uh, you're, you're really smuggling stuff into our enemy. Uh, so uh, uh, it, it, it was a law on the books, but it really didn't it, uh, work until after the War of 1812 when we, when we fought to have the right to be neutral. All right. So after that event that you talked about where uh, the, the man, the two the brothers who had that produce ship, uh, one of them was beheaded, took the body to the pier out in front of the stock market, and a riot ensued. At that point, 
the nation, the new nation, was angry with Jefferson for dismantling the fleet, what little fleet there was. And so it went from zero to a really large fleet very quickly. How, how large and how quickly? Well, what what happened, it, it, instead of going to a, a, a Navy, a United States Navy, uh, an awful lot of businessmen and sailors got together and they built their own ships and got uh, what they called letters of mark. They were uh, permissions uh, to be an unofficial Navy. We would call them the Merchant Marine. Uh, and so these were armed merchant ships that could protect themselves, uh, and then when the when the actual war was declared, uh, we started capturing British ships. Uh, we captured like three times as many of theirs as they did of ours. So uh, our our merchant marine that we have t today uh, is mostly a peacetime navy, but our merchant ships can also have artillery on them. I have a, a kid brother who was in the in the Coast Guard, and um, uh, the, he you know he he saw. Uh, merchant marine ships with five-inch guns on them, so you know it's it's our it's our reserve navy really, and that started because Jefferson would not allow uh, a buildup of the navy. In fact, he went in the other direction. He tried to stop us from having anything to do with the British or the French. That was his answer to having a navy. We don't need a navy if we don't have any any business. So it's called the embargo, and for two years, our economy crashed because our president uh, tried to stop us from carrying out any trade with England or in France. You had 80% unemployment in Boston. You had people in bread lines and soup lines in Boston and Maine. So that didn't work. Um, it wasn't until Madison took his place uh, and started listening to the, to, the, to the sailors, the people who were suffering so much, that they begin to build up a regular Navy, but they were still only up to 20 ships by the time the War of 1812 began. But you wind up with something like 1,500 of these privateers, they were called, a private Navy. Uh, and the, the, they, they hired crews. Uh, the crew and the captain shared anything they captured from the other side. Uh, it was the biggest business, millions of dollars worth of ships and cargoes that they had captured from the British being sold at auction back here. Wow, so, that's uh, a lot. Secret to how, yeah, the secret to how we won the War of 18, 1812, if we won at all, you could say, uh, was the Merchant Marine. All right, we have Frank in Boston, who has a comment or a question. Frank, hello. Uh, hello. Um, that was the History Channel on the radio. There you go. Good format. Good format. Um, so exactly what did the British objective? I mean, did they, what they thought the, the states were going to disband and, and, and go back to being British subjects? No, they would have liked that. That's what they were really after. They wanted to see the revolution fail and have uh, our economy tank and then, then be able to step back in and take the colonies back again, the good old days when they had a monopoly on the trade and could tax everything they wanted. Uh, so th that, that, that is what they were after. Uh, but, but mostly they won. We were coming on real fast. Our economy was doubling like every five years because of all these ships and these ship captains and merchants. 
Uh, and they didn't want us to be a commercial rival. It looked like we were going to, and, and when the War of 1812 was over, next to Britain, we were the biggest uh, naval and commercial power. So, so they were right from their point of view, trying to, to trying to block us. Good one, Frank. Thank you very much. Now, what role did our our old Constitution, USS Constitution, play in, in this time period? Well, the Constitution was the only good thing that happened to the Americans in the first year of the War of 1812. Uh, we had an army uh, go out to and, and lose Detroit and the Midwest right away. Um, but you had the Constitution was one of six frigates, our largest ships, uh, built when Adams was president. Uh, and the Constitution went sailing out on its own and began attacking uh, British ships. And so you have the the, the most famous uh, duel of naval duel of the war is uh, the Constitution versus a British ship called the Guerriere, uh, and um, the, the, the British cannon couldn't couldn't pierce the, the the sides, the hulls of Constitution. They were made out of such thick oak, uh, uh, so the cannonballs would just b- drop off. That's where they got the term "old iron sides." But when the news came that an American frigate had defeated a British man of war, uh, there was there was really joy uh, in in the United States because of that naval battle. Madison was reelected. He wouldn't have been without it because he was losing the the the, the, the army side of it. So uh, Old Ironside came sailing back into Boston Harbor with the rest of our Navy coming along behind it like, you know, Mama Goose with all the goslings. Uh, but, but then they couldn't get out again because the British blockaded them. But it was the star of the Navy uh, in, in the War of 1812. It's pretty cool that it's still right there to visit. Uh, it's the oldest sailing ship, uh, oldest Navy ship in the world. Okay, let's see. Next, I wanted to... From what you've said, it seems like Adams, John Adams, Jefferson were great founders, but not such great presidents. Is that fair to say? I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, Adams, Adams uh, was a disaster as president. He was he was a great thinker. Uh, he 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 could never shut up when he started to to, to, to give a speech. Um, the Alien and Sedition Act was was a disaster. Jefferson came along and went to the other extreme. He had tore apart Adams and Washington's political party, the Federalists. He fired half of the, of the government workers, half of the generals, half of everybody, the top half, and put his people in. Um, he tried. He got rid of the Navy. The, the, I think the only great thing he did was the Louisiana Purchase. So during the Napoleonic Wars, France was broke. Uh, Jefferson took some money from a congressional slush fund, sent some people over to Paris, and gave Napoleon some money to build a new navy. And what we got was doubling the land area of the United States. All of a sudden, we reached all the way out to to the Pacific. Uh, How far south did that purchase include? New Orleans, all the way down. All the, the, wow, the all the way, all, like all the way to San Diego and up? Not San Diego, but from, from New Orleans, you went up to the Missouri River, uh, like at Independence, Missouri. Okay. And then you hung a, a left 
uh, and you headed toward Oregon and Washington State, and and the Columbia River uh, was at the other end of it. So uh, it's a, a big triangle tacked onto uh, what we already had all, all the way to the Mississippi. It only left the, the the far west and the southwest that we would you know we would we would get that later. Okay, so who who is in, who owned the territory below that Mexico? Yes, Mexico. Um, well, it was still part of Spain, the Spanish Empire. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so Mexico after 1820. Yeah, Mexico. So this is an. You may not know the answer to this, but why that boundary? Why that angle? You know, running from New Orleans up diagonally up the country. What what occurred that put that border there? That's a very good question, and it was disputed. I mean, where the border was kept changing according to, like, the War of 1812. Um, our, our boundary went out for the first time. It went to, they didn't have the word Rocky Mountains yet. It was called the Stony Mountains. Nobody had been out there to explore it. They didn't see what they had. So it's done by people, diplomats in Paris and in London, who haven't been to the to the United States. You know, the, apparently, they think, they think that the whole country is as flat as the map on their table. So it, it, it's arbitrary boundaries that then get fought over before you, uh, before you, you wind up with the map we have now. Was there an event that started the actual, you know, the War of 1812? Yes. Um, it, it happened on the frontier. Uh, it happened in what is now Indiana. Uh, and uh, it happened with uh, an, an Indian by the name of Tecumseh. Uh, organizing all sorts of tribes all the way from Alabama to the Great Lakes uh, to resist any farther Western settlement by uh, Americans to, to, to stop them. And Tecumseh had uh, 10,000 warriors that he could call on when our whole U.S. Army was only 3,000 men. So Tecumseh was going around recruiting more tribes, and he was away one day, uh, when an American by the name of William Henry Harrison, the, the, the governor of, of Indiana, led an American attack on his capital, uh, Tippecanoe, the town of Tippecanoe, and destroyed it. Uh, so in the fighting there and in the, uh, the, 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 it terrified people all along the frontier that these thousands of Indian warriors now are going to swoop down and and kill them. So what happened is you got a Westerner, uh, Henry Clay, uh, from Kentucky, which was the biggest frontier state at the time. He got to be um, the, 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 the Speaker of the House in, in, in Congress, and he got together a war party. Uh, and they pushed Madison, the president, and pushed him and pushed him uh, to declare war. And because these uh, attacks on American ships were also intensifying. The British had taken 9,991 American sailors off our ships to put in their navy. The combination of that and the, and the, and the fear of, of all-out war on the frontier, Madison had to sign and start the war. So what's the connection between the Indians and the British? Did the British... The connection was that the, the British were providing weapons. Okay. Uh, the, the British in Canada didn't want us to expand either. So after, uh, after uh, one battle, uh, a couple of British rifles were sent to Washington as evidence that this is what the Indians have. The British are arming them. Okay. So if there's so many Indians 
and they a significant amount of them have good weapons how why did they not prevail they didn't prevail because the british army generals didn't trust them they wouldn't rely on them i mean they were winning i mean the tecumseh uh faked out our army in 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 detroit uh, by surrounding them and um, terrifying them until uh, the, the general in charge uh, was uh, just a, a blubbering idiot named Hull who surrendered. He just surrendered, turned it over to, to, to Tecumseh. So they were winning. But the, the, the British generals didn't trust any American, whether it was a, a colonist or a farmer or a Native American. They wouldn't rely on them. So Tecumseh was only being used sort of as the rear guard every time the British retreated. Uh, and finally, in, 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 in the battle of, battle of the, the, the Thames, they pronounced it, we would say Thames, um, he fought his last stand and he got killed and, and, and the other tribes just faded after that. Wow. All right, let's take a very brief break and we'll continue a little bit with Willard Stern Randall, Unshackling America. I'm loving this. How the War of 1812 truly ended the American Revolution. And not only are there a lot of facts in there, but Mr. Randall can really write a book. As soon as you start on page one, you'll be hooked. Let's uh, continue after this. Get more details on the War of 1812 and the attack on the White House. And, and one question I will ask is, if we were so, you know, so down and out that our capital is occupied and burned, how do we ever recover from that? I mean, that's similar to the allies coming into blow and blowing up the Reichstag, and that was pretty much it for them. How did we prevail after such a low point? I'll ask that after this on WBZ. I've got to talk to you privately. Say, who is this talking man? Bradley J. Jay Talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you want to talk? About what? I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Talk, talk. Jay talking with Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 10:30. On Shackling America, talking about the War of 1812 and how that is what ended the revolution. The British were continuing the revolution by other means. Willard Stern Randall is with us, and I guess, well, uh, sir, that we could get to, I don't know, some some fun parts, some important parts. Uh, some sexy parts here. The whole business with the White House. Can you talk? You know, go into some sure. de detail sure. leading up to that and during it and, and right after. Okay, the attack on on Washington was a total surprise, and it, Washington D.C. was absolutely undefended. But the reason it, they were they 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 weren't expecting it was nobody could imagine somebody coming and destroying your capital. Uh, it was something that, that, that just wasn't done. Uh, but we had attacked 
a capital in Canada, what we now call Toronto, was the capital of that whole part of English Canada. And it was called the town of York. And we had sailed up there with a fleet and an army, and we had destroyed it uh, right after the beginning of the War of 1812. So the British had blood in their eye. They wanted reprisals. They sent a special task force over. We thought that they were sailing up the Chesapeake to go to Baltimore. Baltimore was the prize because Baltimore had 500 of these privateering ships in the harbor. But they sailed right right up to Maryland and disgorged some of their best troops who'd been fighting in Napoleon. They were battle seasoned. They did a quick march into Washington uh, and set it on fire because they had come prepared specially to burn Washington. There were things that looked like Chinese lanterns that they, lo- that they loaded with a flammable fluid. Uh, so you could chuck these on something like a lacrosse stick, sling them through a window, and they would explode, explode and set a building on fire. So they deliberately set out to get revenge for the burning of of what we call Toronto, and they did a pretty thorough job of it. Uh, and w- why was it undefended? Well, because everybody thought the target was Maryland. Uh, when the British attacked, um, the, the Secretary of War hadn't allowed any troops to be raised for, for D.C. The President of the United States, James Madison, became the only president ever to go into combat with his troops, and he was a disaster. Um, just by him coming out on the battlefield, it confused everybody. Everybody was deferring to him and follow, instead of following what the generals said. You had the Secretary of State, uh, Monroe, rearranging all the battlefields. I mean, it was so bad that the American army just ran away. It's known as the Bladensburg races because they <laughs> ran away from Bladensburg so fast. So, And you've got... You got Dolly Madison on top of the White House with a spyglass watching this because she knows her husband doesn't know anything about war and he's out there. Uh, but she's the last one to leave. Washington is evacuated. Uh, she's having lunch set up for for Madison and his generals to come back to lunch, and it's the British who come and have lunch, and then they burn the place. And you, uh, I, I learned in your book that the famous painting that Dolly had cut out of the the frame of George Washington was a a reproduction. It wasn't the real thing. Did she know that's right. did she know that's that? Right. So she I don't think she knew it. I mean here's this wonderful portrait of George Washington and she didn't want the British to capture it because yeah, these people always all studied Roman history and what you did when you conquered people in in Roman Empire times is you took some symbol of their power or you took the rule of themselves and you had a big parade. She was afraid that the portrait of Washington was going to be dragged through the streets of London humiliating the Americans so she ins- insisted this thing be cut down. Uh, they couldn't unscrew it from the wall. She had a, her slave cut it out of the frame. She rolled it up and she gave it to, to some guy who was there to get out of there. And he took it to uh, New York, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he took it somewhere and eventually uh, uh, gave it back. But, so uh, the, question, yeah, she, the question is, where was the... I interrupted, but the question is, where was the real one? Uh, uh, it's called the Lansdowne Portrait. Uh, I don't know where it was at the time. It's in the White House now. Um, so I think uh, that 
was that was Gilbert Stewart, and he he painted Washington fifty times. Washington, you know, they didn't have photographs, so everybody wanted a portrait of the president. So he would sit and sit and sit for all these portraits. So uh, there's probably fifty originals. Wow. Uh, and this, and this is this is just one of them. Folks, there's a lot more in this book, and let me tell you, it's it's compelling the way. Willard Stern Randall writes it, Unshackling America, How the War of 1812 Truly Ended the American Revolution. I really thank you for filling in a lot of blanks for me during that period. Thanks. Always my pleasure. And uh, thank you. we're going to have you back real soon. Thank you, sir. Okay, thanks. Hey, it's WBZ. Wasn't that good? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.